0: Chapter twenty three of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter twenty three. My heart was winter bound until I heard you sing. O voice of love, hush not, but fill my life with spring. My hopes were homeless things before I saw your eyes. O smile of love, close not the door to paradise my dreams were bitter once, and then i found them bliss o lips of love give me again your rose to kiss spring-tide of love the secret sweet is ours alone o heart of love at last you beat against my own frank dempster sherman savardi told nothing and learnt with vast relief that rex had left madrid and with even greater satisfaction that he likewise had kept silence he had not entirely believed that he would speak that much honour he paid him but the subtlety which he chose sometimes to make appear a veneer for his real self but which in reality lay at the core of his nature influenced by heritage and cultivated by choice had long since urged him to distrust the actions of any man who was his rival he hated rex implacably for beating him and loving doro he respected him only because he had as he thought discretion that rex had gone because his love was greater than his hatred and his consideration for the woman he adored stronger than both he never imagined that type of affection did not enter his code he himself went to doro early because his headlong infatuation for her allowed him to suffer any anguish rather than suspense and he found, after a few minutes' speech, that she was entirely ignorant of the evening's debacle. Doro told him Rex had left suddenly, and he made no comment whatever. He had always believed in sparing lies, and indeed in never lying unless the occasion was an essential one. Now he put an arm round Doro and kissed her, then gave her the gift he had brought, either as an offering of devotion or an atonement. In any case, it was quite a beautiful mantilla, and had the arms of the family woven into the design after the observation that the eldest-born daughter of the eldest son was christened in the vale savardi launched into an impassioned plea for the date of their marriage almost coincidentally avarado entered brandishing a london contract just arrived and bristling with exuberant triumph it was scarcely the moment for this announcement and savardi his bruised face flushing darkly broke into a torrent of exasperated speech averado listened equably bowed and went out after a long glance at doro as the door closed savardi had her in his arms madre de dios does it never seem to you that i feel anything do you not care what i suffer i wait and wait on your word and you do not give it a little actor-manager offers you a contract and you will sign at once and no matter when our marriage takes place you must not you shall not it is impossible i tell you impossible he released her to gesticulate with eloquence his blue eyes narrowed in anger his mobile mouth quivering i love you i love you he said vehemently you are my affianced wife all that i have i will give you to make up for this career you must renounce god in heaven what will our life be if you forever sing and suddenly he was at her feet adoring humble his ardent face almost timorous she could not she could not love him so little that she could sacrifice his love for a song ah he adored her like a saint like a flame feel feel his heart leapt against her hand under the thin silk shirt and out of a whirl of kisses supplication anger despair wildest adoration he was gone I must make some decision, Doro told herself wretchedly, and again she longed for Rex, his impartiality, the sense of cool support he gave somehow. She must choose one way or the other, and if she chose a career, what then? Just a career. If she chose marriage? Ah, well, a devotion, someone to belong to, to laugh with, a sharer of life. But if Savardi had only been willing to share her life a little... "'I want the impossible,' she told herself with bleak truth. "'A man who will let me be myself, and his as well.' Suddenly, in the midst of settling up, the end of the season, arranging the future, disputing it, Tony's old enemy, Malaria, claimed him. He was ordered back to England immediately. Savardi, secretly furious, could do no less than commiserate, and agreed that Doro must accompany him. Tony had never imagined she would not— Savardi and he had one quality at least in common a superb selfishness avarado travelled too to london enacting as a matter of course his john the baptist role his rendering of it shining out with special success at railway stations and on the way to the dining-car he said nothing of work but his soul exulted that he and doro would be in london at the same time Covent garden was his mecca and paradise and each mile nearer to it filled him with joy Savardi left them at Paris he was to fetch Doro later as he stood on the ugly dark Gare du Nord platform bareheaded smiling at Doro he seemed very securely young and self confident their hands clasped Savardi sighed with Spanish sentiment and his blue eyes glittered for a second as his glance crossed that of an extremely pretty midinet tripping towards the barrier i shall think every minute only of you until we meet he said to doro the train already moving caught his words and crushed them in its jaws of noise Savardi turned away and began to walk swiftly doro watched him and as she did so she seemed to lose the impression she had had of him so long and he became mysteriously merely a good-looking young man in search of adventure the parting brought as it often does reaction now it seemed possible to feel a sense of un- paradoxically oppressive relief at any rate the journey had begun and that meant respite from farewells from protestations for a little while now she could rest save from adoration or adjuration i am impossible she told herself with chagrin i accept without gratitude and yet want without knowledge and am all the time dissatisfied because i am not understood throughout the journey that sense of harassing futility held her for self-comfort she adopted the creed of reaction and overtiredness and found in neither any real satisfaction or any antidote to her mood of lethargic inappreciation even being in town again gave her no quickening pulse victoria looked as if she had never left it or rather just as she had left it years before the stafford hotel whither tony decreed they should go for the night was as exclusive and imposing as ever the same heat haze hung over the streets of dusk as had hung that other summer i'm off to bed early my dear tony announced "Suppose you'll not be late i'll sit up a little longer i think doro answered she carried a chair to the window and lay back in it gazing at the stars to-morrow hurst point and rex what was Savardi doing now had he caught up the pretty girl with the arched eyebrows how many women became engaged because it seemed the easiest thing to do from a desire of conquest or that fatal and cruel kindness which actually springs from vanity and, whilst declaring its foundation to be an inability to hurt cloaks its real mainspring of existence she supposed savardi and she would settle down life seemed singularly meaningless in some ways one took what came because it came she clasped her hands behind her head had every atom of fire really burnt out of her after pan's death london brought him back so nearly and this memory made her feel very lonely reached certain depths in her which responded with an aching sadness savardi's love had touched her superficially but that touch had laid open the way for this deeper feeling oh once again once again if only for a little while to feel even a fraction of that wildly sweet emotion she had felt before oh for something for someone to matter vividly beyond all telling Savardi was marrying her because he could gain her no other way, after a frustrated effort to escape the tie. She smiled bitterly in the starry darkness. She was so modern, so accepting of all things, that she could smile. Oh, heavens, how much one is influenced by nothing at all! She told herself with sad amusement. Blankness of life had made her encourage Savardi, and only weakness prevented her breaking with him tonight life seemed a waste she felt as if she were looking on a fete where she might not enter a knock came at the door tony's man laid the late papers on the table she asked if tony had gone to sleep bade the man good-night and as the door closed walked to the table and lifted a paper and opened it a small headline drew her gaze instantly it contained rex's name and below was printed the news that he was lying dangerously ill at his house in st james's place and added that he was suffering from the severe after-effects of a jewel a description of greville house followed and doro read it through mechanically her mind registered a mistake the reporter stated the italian frescoes were in the white drawing-room he was wrong the paper slid from her grasp she stood quite still in the brilliantly lit room and it seemed as if rex were there visibly rex smiling at her rex angered rex become serious little personal tricks of habit which were his returned to her mind the way he smoothed his thick smooth fair hair the attitudes he adopted in big chairs london pulsed and throbbed outside somewhere in the hotel a door banged the sharp sound released doro from her inactive self she put a hand up to her throat to stop the fluttering of her breath dangerously ill that was only written when there was no hope it meant a person would die she thought of rex dead rex who so loved life and then rex with his sense of humour fighting a duel her mind linked the day of his departure its secrecy his casual note of farewell he who was so courteous a being Savardi's bruised face and stiff arm she gave a little stifled cry and put a clenched hand to her mouth and in that moment she hated Savardi, because his conduct had hurt Rex had brought Rex to this every atom of self-defense of tenderness which her nature held swung out to shield Rex it was eleven o'clock when she reached Greville House the door stood open a car waited before it Dora walked straight in and met Rex limping from the library. She put out her hands, and he caught one and held it closely. "Hello," he said rather hoarsely. "'What very happy wind blows you here?' Doro looked at him. She stammered out, her voice almost inaudible. "'The papers, the papers said—' "'That canard!' Rex interpolated swiftly, his white face flushed scarlet. "'Surely you didn't believe it!' he tried to laugh g showed it me at dinner it's abominable i've had it contradicted of course heaven knows how these reporters think of their lies he was talking to gain time to recover himself his illness had left him very weak doro said dully nothing matters the lies i mean you are here alive well her bewildered eyes rested on him piteously doro he said gently "'My dear, it's all right. Of course it gave you a shock. But now, why did you come, you yourself, I mean, so late?' She smiled at him through sudden tears. "'I only knew the truth, so late,' she whispered. There was that in her eyes and voice a man sees and hears seldom. Rex trembled, this hope after despair. He forced himself to deny it. He dared not believe.' not understand steps sounded a sure instinct that they too must be alone made them enter the library and close the door it was dark in there the windows were open into the little private garden a faint breeze swayed the heavy curtains slightly desperately doro said why did you fight was it because you you knew i fought because i hated savardi rex said with sudden hoarse ardentness hated him for loving you no man loves his fortunate rival he may respect him if he knows him to be the better man i knew savardi to be a cad and he was in my way i longed to fight him i am glad i did but i-i accepted his form of love knowing doro murmured i-you must know that you-you must and-oh i don't know i can't explain You need not try, Rex said composedly. I knew long ago. I understood. One does when one loves. She went very close to him. I understood when I read you were ill, Rex. I knew then. It was as if I had been released from myself, from everything that clogged my steps. Do you remember, years ago, kissing me one night in Paris, and you said I should remember? I do. "'I do to-night.' He put an arm round her, so lightly it scarcely touched her, and yet she knew in every fibre of her being that it was there. He said, holding her in that still tenderness, "'I do understand, always.' His voice grew unsteady, very young somehow, in its carefully restrained eagerness. "'Doru, it's real, isn't it? You—you really love—' still he did not kiss her he seemed to wait and his waiting brought to her in some inexplicable way the knowledge that he waited because the moment was so marvellous then he gave a quick boyish sigh and whispered her name she put out a hand and drew down his head towards her oh yes yes she whispered her lips against his it is real it is true it is as if my darling my heart were at rest in yours at last The End End of Chapter twenty three End of Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley Recording by Marisol Qui Thank you for listening